there are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Vayigash Tav Shin Pei Beis. An incredibly warm welcome to all of our radio family. Thank you so, so much for taking the time on the Erev Shabbos, a busy Erev Shabbos, to make time to put on your device or your radio or wherever you might be listening to tune in to, to this program as we prepare for another beautiful and amazing Shabbos Kodesh as we come to the end of the, towards the end of the secular year. Some of us already are on, are on leave. Some people are preparing maybe the end of next week and accounting of the last few days of, of work as we prepare for a very, very well-deserved bit of respite, bit of time to sort of stop going to the office, stop thinking about work, stop actually having all the worries and concerns and stresses of 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 our work. Hey, you know though, but us Yidden, we don't have to wait for December for that. We get that every single Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, we anticipate, we're getting ready, we're going to turn off, come, lich benching, come, candlelighting time, we are going to absolutely turn off from the world. We're going to disconnect ourselves from our work. We're going to forget about all the unfinished business, all the things that may have been done and could have been done and should have been done. It doesn't make a difference. Now, it's okay. It's okay to have unfinished business and to turn around and walk into our Kaddish Baruch Hu's world and say, Kaddish Baruch Hu, I'm yours. I just want a connection with you. Everything else is just rubbish. Yes, it occupies my mind 24-6 during the week and I, I can't sleep and I can't relax and I can't, I can't do anything because of all that. But come Shabbos, I'm out of that world. It doesn't make a difference. Yes, there are things that maybe I'll have to go back to Afro, but now it doesn't make a difference. The, the, the mission always tells us that one of the things that Hashem created in those very, very, very last minutes of Erev Shabbos, just before Shabbos came in, were, were Shadim. Shadim are half Ruchni, half, half Gashmis. They're, they're unfinished business. And, and Akash Boko Dafka created that and, 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 and didn't manage to finish it before Shabbos and, and let go and left them as they were. And what does that even mean? Akarish Baruch Hu, unfinished business. Akarish Baruch Hu, couldn't finish what he was doing. Akarish Baruch Hu didn't doesn't take time to do anything. Hashem, Oma Hashem speaks, and and the world comes into comes into existence. What does it mean at all that Hashem couldn't finish what he was what he was doing? And 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 the Balim Musa say, no, it's come to teach us an incredibly incredibly important concept, and and, and that is that. It's okay. It's okay to have unfinished business. It's okay to have started something and you put in your effort and you did as much as you could. But now, Ba Shabbos comes Shabbos. Forget it. Ba Menucha. We, we, we totally distance ourselves. We totally turn away from it and turn inwards and say, right, Shabbos is, Shabbos is coming. Shabbos is the time of, of, of Kedusha where HaKadosh Baruch Hu rains down. 
a huge, huge dose of Kedusha into this into this world. Mekadesh HaShabbos. Shabbos comes completely and totally from, from Hashem. It's not us, Yom Tov. We have a concept of the Beisdin that takes testimony and decides when Rosh Chodesh is going to be and based on when Rosh Chodesh is, we fix the day for Yom Tov. And, and Gemara says that whatever day the Bezdin fixes for Yom Tov, that becomes a day of Yom Tov even in Shemayim. That's great. That's for Yom Tov. Shabbos is all his de Ella, all comes from HaKadosh Baruch And Hashem pours down to us his Kedush and says, just, just swallow it up. Forget everything else. Drop whatever else you have in your hand so that your hands are free, so that your kalim are, are free to accept my Kedusha. And then once we have the Kedusha, now we have to turn around and use it. We have to make our Shabbos um, and, and with our Kiddush and, and our, and our Sudas and our Zemiris and our, and our Davening and our Talmud Torah and our time spent with, with family talking about important things and, and, and Ruchni sticker things. We take that Kiddush and we re-elevate it and we send it back to our Kodesh Baruch enhanced by our little effort. And that's the most beautiful thing in the entire world. That's what Shabbos Kodesh is, a time to completely, completely distance ourselves from everything. Let's prepare ourselves for this Shabbos and make it the most magnificent Shabbos in the entire, in the entire world. We're going to come back and discuss some very, very important things. We're going to discuss a little bit about Asara Bateves, which is coming up this week. And then we're going to talk about a very important seminal topic in this week's parasha, which is all about Mashiach, Mashiach ben David, Mashiach ben Yosef, how it all works. Please stay with us. This is 101.9 Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We're going to be back in a minute with so much more. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, soul to soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kedish, Pashas Va'yigash Tov Shin Pei Beis. We hope you had a wonderful, wonderful Hanukkah. And as we prepare now for the holiday period, some of us already are off school or work, some preparing, some counting the days till our offices will close and we can have a few very well deserved days of, of, of respite. We have this week, Pashva Yigash, but of course, as you may or may not be aware, this coming week, in fact, Tuesday of next week is, is going to be Asarabit Tevis, the 10th of Tevis, which was the beginning or some say the culmination of the destruction of the, the Beis HaMikdash when Nebuchadnezzar surrounded the, the city and it began the process of, of, of destruction. In this week's Pasha, we have the incredible, incredible reunion that takes place between Yosef and, and his brothers. 22 years they had been estranged from each other. And with the two words, Ani Yosef, I am Yosef, the whole world changed. And finally, in this one amazing moment, Yosef is reunited with his dear younger brother, Binyamin. <laughs> 
who again, who was probably about six years younger than he was, and who again, he had not seen for 22 years. What happens at that reunion? Says the Torah, Vayipol Yosef fell upon his brother Binyamin's neck and he wept. And Binyamin wept upon his neck. The Medrash comments, Rashi brings it, that Yosef and Binyamin wept over the destruction of the Mishkan and the base and the Bate Mikdash that will be built in their respective portions in Eretz Yisrael. The two Bate Mikdash that will be built in Binyamin's portion and Mishkan Shilai that stood in the portion of Yosef's son Ephraim. Rav David Leibovitz, Zatzal, the Yeshiva of Chavetz Chaim, learns from here the overwhelming pain experienced by our Ovis concerning the the Churban of the Beis destruction of of the Batimiklish during the greatest moment of heightened joy, when all that should have occupied their minds was the homecoming, was the reinstatement of Yosef, their long-lost brother. Their thoughts were actually elsewhere. Binyamin was finally able to embrace his brother, the only other child of Rochel Imenu. We know Binyamin had named all ten of his sons for Yosef, with each name serving as a reminder of the pain and suffering he had endured over the loss of Yosef. Yosef had been alone for these past 22 years, away from his loving father, and only maternal brother. Finally, during the moment of absolutely sublime joy, as these two brothers were finally reunited, they thought only about the destruction of the Batimikdash. Pain and grief overwhelmed the solace and joy that should have permeated this meeting. Why? Because the Dechurban of the Beis HaMikdash was such an epic tragedy, it completely erased their joy. It's not as if their Simcha joy was a little bit marred. It was eradicated. It, as if it never existed. How can you feel joy when the thought of the destruction of the Bate Mikdash looms so strongly in your mind? Rav Leibowitz quotes 
Lenovi. Malachim Bey is Perik 20. Following Yeshio HaMelech, he sends an emissary to Chulda HaNaviyah, in which he begged her to daven that somehow the heavenly decree against the Beis HaMikdash would be expunged. Chulda responded, unfortunately, it was too little, too late. The actions of the people had already catalyzed events that would bring about the destruction of, of the Beis of, of the Beis But he, Melech Yashio, who had walked righteously in the path of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, his entire life, what about him, however? So Chulda told him, told him these words. V'nesavta el b'shalom. You will be gathered into your grave. You'll be buried in peace. V'loi sirena And your eyes will not have to behold. B'chol all these terrible things. You'll be buried and you won't have to see all the evil that Hashem is bringing upon the Beis HaMikdash. The Gemara in Moikotten Dav Chavches wanders. Chulda told him that that Yeshio would be gathered in peacefully, that he would die a peaceful death. The Novi in Devarayam and Beis, Periklamet Hay, states that, you know what happened to Yoshio? The attacking army shot arrows at Yoshio three Hundred arrows pierced his body, making it bleed like a sieve. Is that a peaceful way to leave this world? What's Kulda talking about? You're going to die a peaceful death? That's a peaceful death. The pain that he must have endured is completely beyond imagination. Rabbi Yochanan responds, Shelechorav Beisamikdash Biyamov. Because the Beisamikdash was not destroyed during his days. In other words, despite being told that the Beisamikdash would ultimately be destroyed, despite suffering a terrible, painful death, nonetheless, Yoshio died in peace. Why? He didn't have to experience the destruction of the Churban Besamekdash. This gives us a window, an inkling, into the overwhelming pain that he would have suffered had he witnessed the actual destruction. Only our G'dayli 
the giants of Torah, the, the, the forebearers of our entire spiritual heritage, deeply perceived the spiritual perfection brought about by the Beis HaMikdash, which enabled them to understand the utter devastation of, of its, of its loss. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Aaron Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, Vayigash, Tov, Shin, Pei, Beis. And we are cooking this week. We are, we are talking about really important and beautiful things. And we're going to carry on doing that right now when we discuss one of the most seminal issues in in Yiddishat, because in this week's Pasha, we have the ultimate confrontation between Yehuda and Yosef. Yigash Elav Yehuda. Yehuda comes forward, and the Pasuk in Tehillim tells us, Ki noyadu. The kings came together. They got angry together. And the Medrash says, Who are these Malachim? The Yehuda Yosef. This is referring to Yehuda and Yosef. This one got all heated up towards the other one, and the other one uh, got angry at the first one. Now, before we even begin our discussion, we need, of course, to quote the words of the Rambam and Hilchus Malachim, where the Rambam says that there's some Chachamim who will say that before Mashiach comes, Elio Anovi is going to come. And all these kind of things, and others that are similar to it, no one knows exactly what is going to happen until it actually happens. Because these are all secrets, and the secrets known only to the Nevi'im, and even the Chachamim don't have any sort of tradition in these matters, but it's all based on how to interpret the different psukim, and therefore since there are many, many ways of interpreting the psukim, therefore there are many, many different opinions and many arguments about how exactly the process is going to come and what's going to happen and, and where it's going to happen. All that is shrouded <clears throat> in mystery. All that is shrouded in, 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 in secrecy until the time that it actually happens. Therefore, whenever we speak at all about concepts of the coming of, of, uh, of Moshiach, all that is, is, as they say, we'll learn about it, we'll gain something inside from it, but of course, we don't necessarily understand if that is actually what's going to, what's going to happen. There's a Gemara in Meseches Sukkah on Daf Nun Beis Amar And the Gemara there explains, there's a Pasuk that says, the Ha'aretz, 
There'll be a tremendous hesper. The, the whole world will be full of eulogies. Mishpachos, mishpachos, levad. Each family will be making hesper by itself. Mishpachos based David levad. The family of David will make a hesper by itself. This is a pasuk in, in Zechariah, Yudbeis, Yudbeis, which Mark says is referring to the hesped, the eulogy that in the future is going to be said for Mashiach ben Yosef, who is going to be who's going to be killed. After that, the Gemara continues and says, Tonor Abonon, Achazal Toros in Hebraisa, Mashiach ben David, the Mashiach that comes from the family of David. Which is going to be revealed to us, hopefully, still speedily, and in our days. HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to him, Ask me anything. Ask me for anything, and I will give it to you. Says the Gemara, Given Sharon Mashiach bin Yosef Shinera. When he sees how Mashiach bin Yosef has been killed, Ayamala Father Mashiach bin David answers back to Akadish Baruchu. Ribainishalam Master of the Universe. Any Mivakesh Mimcha Elachaim. Please, all I want is allow me to remain alive. Don't don't let me have to follow the same the same path as the Mashiach ben, ben Yosef. So from this Gemara, we actually derive the fact that there are, in fact, two different personalities of Mashiach for the Jewish nation. Mashiach ben David and Mashiach ben Yosef. And the Medrash Tanchum also, in, in the very first parak of Parshish Bracious, explains that there are going to be two personalities of Mashiach. He learns from a pasuk. Pasuk says, "Mishalche regel hashor v'achamor," who sends forth the, the 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 feet of the of the donkey of the of the ox. That's Mashiach ben Yosef, because Yosef we know is compared to an ox. Bechor shoyroi hardaloi. Meishabenu says in his blessing of Shevet Yosef. So Yosef is called the shor v'achamor. And the donkey, that's Mashiach ben David. As it says, when in describing Mashiach, he'll be a poor riding on a, on a, uh, on, on, on a donkey. So we see for the first time this concept of being two different Mashiach. Now, the Ma'or Shemesh in Pasha's Pinchas explains that this concept, this fact, that they're going to be two different Mashiach, the Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David, was something that was not known to the twelve sons of Yaakov, was not known to the Shvatim. And therefore, that's what caused the tension. That's what caused the fighting between them. And, and I quote what he says. He says, it would seem that as follows, that Mashiach ben David or Mashiach ben Yosef uh, they cannot live without one another, and we need 
both of them. However, the Shvatim didn't understand this. Yosef saw with his Ruach HaKodesh, with his divine insights, that Mashiach is going to come from him. And Yehuda saw that with his Ruach HaKodesh, that from him is going to come Mashiach. And therefore, there was this conflict between them. Because all the Shvatim wanted that Mashiach should come from Shev Yehuda. Because we know that the, the, the tribe of the dynasty of Malchus, of kingship in the Jewish nation, is the tribe of Yehuda. But Yosef wanted, because he had a vision, that Mashiach should come from him. Until HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes peace between them, as we read in this week's Haftarah, I'm going to take the piece of wood that symbolizes Yosef, which encompasses Menashe and Ephraim. And I'm going to take also the, the piece of wood that signifies Yehuda. I'm going to make them into one tree. They'll be like one in my, in my hands. So this understanding of this concept of what is Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David, so the Maral explains as, as follows. We know that the, the Jewish nation, that all of Kaiso is compared to one entity, to one person that has 12 different major limbs. And they're, they're well, they're well known, these things. And this refers to the, uh, or corresponds to the 12 constellation and to the 12 months of the year. And we know every person has two major limbs and they are the kings of all the other limbs. And they are, of course, the head and the heart. And Malchus Yehuda corresponds to the head. As Basak says, Yehuda Yale Barosh. Yehuda is signified by the head. The Yosef is always in the middle. And that corresponds to the heart. Because we find, we read about on Hanukkah, with the Karbonus that the Nassim brought, the, the tribe of Ephraim was right in the middle amongst all the other, uh, of the other Shvatim. is number seven, which is compared to the heart, which is in the middle of a person. Therefore, says Malchus based David is a concept of head and Malchus Yosef is a concept of lave of the heart. And the morale, the morale continues. It says it's well known. That the, the neshama of a person is in his, in his head. And the neshama, of course, is the, is the most godly part of the person, much more even than the heart. And so too it is with Malchus Yehuda. When, when the Malchus Yehuda is being run appropriately and correctly, so then, that brings to a tremendous, tremendous covered for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
and and then there's no room for anything but Malchus based of it. And therefore, it, it is actually correct, he says, that there should be just one king for all 12 Shvatim, which are the 12 limbs of a person. But when Shevet Yehuda is not Zeichel, when they're not living up to their high ideals, so then there's no ultimate revelation of the honor of Hashem through them. And they don't have, they're no longer deserving to be the king over all the limbs. So then it gets divided. And most of the limbs follow the heart, which is the main organ, and only a minority follow the head when, when Yehud is not ultimately fulfilling its, its role. So, but we know, ultimately, the head is what needs to be in control over everything else. But even the heart has a very, very central function and is therefore deserving of some kind of important role also. And therefore, he says, for this reason, it's fitting for Kleiso that there should be a Mashiach ben Yosef also. Because since Shever Ephraim is also deserving of kingship, because this Shevet is like the heart, therefore, at the end of time, they're going to have a ruler also, which is going to be Mashiach ben Yosef. But nevertheless, ultimately, the nations are going to overcome him because uh, uh this, this, uh, the, the dominion of Ephraim is not permanent. It has a limitation and will eventually be negated. And therefore, in the war, in the ultimate war of Goyeg Magog, who's going to be the ultimate enemy of the Jewish nation, as is, be, as is explained elsewhere, so he's going to overcome Mashiach ben Yosef, and he's going to be killed. And then, that's going to be gone from the Jewish nation. So just in order to explain a little bit what what the Maral is saying, we brought previously the Gemara in, in Sukkah, which explains that Mashiach ben Yosef is going to be killed. And in fact, Rav Chaim Vital explains in Shara Kavanus that when the Arizal went to Davin on the, on the graves of Shemaya Bavtalian, which is in, in, in Gushcholav. So they taught him to have specific kavana in the Tzvil of Shemaya Esrei on the words, V'chisei David Avdecha, to Davin Ta'kadosh Baruch for Mashiach ben Yosef, that he should live and not die. Right through the through the uh, shouldn't they shouldn't be killed by by the by the by the goyim. Now the, there's a Gemara in Sanhedrin, which brings that the Talmidim asked Rabbi Yezer, "Ma yasodam? What can a person done do and be saved from the birth pains of Mashiach?" Said Rabbi Yezer, "Yasek b'teira v'gemilz chasadim. You should be involved in teira and in doing chesed." Learning Torah 
that is for the head. And Gemilus Chasadim, that which is of the main thing is feeling the, the emotion to feel the, the lack of somebody else. That's more corresponding to the heart. Therefore, Yosef, as, as we see through his lifetime, was more concerned about the financing, the, the, the sustaining the foods level of, of Klaiso. As in fact, the Pasuk says, the Yosef who has shalit al Yosef was in charge of the whole land. Who Majbir. He was the great ultimate supplier of food for everybody. When Yosef meets his brothers, he says to them, don't be upset and don't be angry. Right? Like you told me here, Kilamichya. I am the sustainer. That's why Hashem sent me, me to Mitzrayim. Yosef worries about the sustenance of Kaiso. Right? For 80 years, from the age of 30 until his death, at 110, he was the viceroy of Mitzrayim, and his main responsibility was keeping the world going, keeping people alive. Yehuda, on the other hand, he was worried. His main concern was Lima Taira. As it says, Ves Yehuda Shalach Lafanav Es Yosef, La El Yosef La Oris Lafanav Goshna. Yehuda was sent down to set up Yeshivas, as Rashi explains there, right? The Takin Loy Beis Talmud, to set up a Yeshiva, so I'd be able to sit and learn. Now, it's easier generally for a person to connect to chesed. Because you see someone else suffering and there's all kinds of emotions that go, that go on in one's, in one's mind and, and you feel compassion, you feel sadness and on the other hand, you feel tremendous joy when you see that, that you were successful in helping another person. Limonatera is much more difficult. It really requires hard work and concentration and, and focusing of the, of the sech and, and you don't always see straight away the success and therefore it's much more difficult to connect to it therefore first is going to come Mashiach ben Yosef which corresponds to the heart to Gemilus Chesed and all of Kaiser is going to join to him but Gemilus Chesed is a physical thing and and doesn't have a lasting eternal effect and therefore at the end of time, Yosef, Mashiach ben Yosef is going to, is going to die. However, Mashiach ben David is Lima Taira, and Taira is eternal. And therefore, he's never going to die. And that's what the Gemara says in Brachas. There was a, a gem that was constantly said by Rav. This world is not like the next world. In Olam Abba, there's no eating, there's no drinking, there's no procreation, there's no business, there's no jealousy, there's no hatred, there's no competition. Just tzaddikim yoshim v'atarasem b'roshem. Tzaddikim sitting with their crowns on the head, v'nenin mizivashkina, and enjoying basking in the closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As it says, v'yechizu eselakim, v'esor Hashem v'yokhu v'yishtu. That is Mashiach ben David. There's nothing physical. 
There's no eating, there's no drinking. It's just Lima and the tremendous joy that comes from that. So now we can understand a seeming contradiction in the Rambam. Because Rav Chiyabah Abba and Rabbi Yochanan say in the Gemara, in Sanhedrin and in Shabbos, that all the prophecies of Nevi'im were only up to the time of Mashiach. And, but what's going to happen beyond Mashiach, nobody knows. And he, and Shmuel argues, says, no, there's no, nothing's going to change between this world and Yomas HaMashiach, except that we're no longer going to be subjugated by, by the nations. So in other words, that according to Avchia Abba, all the amazing prophecies that are written in the books in the VM, Right? The, 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 how, how nature is gonna change, you know, how the, the, the lion's gonna lie down with the, the, with the, with the, with the lamb, etc., etc. That was only a said on the period of the time of Mashiach. <clears throat> and that, and that seems to completely oppose the opinion of Shmuel, who holds that there's not gonna be any change at all in nature, the time of Mashiach, except that Klaisol is going to be free, we're not going to be subjugated by any other nation. Now, the, the it seems that Rav Chia, Ba'aba, and Shmuel are arguing, is there going to be any change in nature during the time of Mashiach? Now, the, the Kesef Mishnah asks on the Rambam, the Rambam in Echus Tshuva brings the opinion of Rav Chia Ba'aba, that everything that was prophesied is only up till Mashiach. But no one knows what's going to be. And at the same time, in Hilchus Tshuva and Peretes, and in Hilchus Malachim, he brings the words of Shmuel, that there's no difference between this world and the next world, except there's no, that we're not going to be subjugated. And the Ramam also brings in the beginning of Perik Yudbeis of Hilchus Malachim. Don't think that in the Moisir Shiach, anything is going to change in the world. There seems to be a contradiction. Says the Goyin, the Vilna Gun, it's, it's possible to answer that. We can make a distinction between Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. Mashiach ben Yosef, which is Chesed. So therefore, this world is a physical world. The physical world is going to carry on. And we're going to carry on doing Chesed, one with another. And the whole, uh, 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 a tremendous, tremendous advantage of what this Mashiach is going to be, that we're not going to be any more subjugated by any other country, uh, any other nations. And the whole world is going to recognize the kingship of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the incredible high level of, of the Jewish nation, and particularly those who learn Torah. Mashiach ben Yosef is, is not going to, is not going to last forever. All physical things have to have an end. But after that is going to be revealed Mashiach ben David, which is corresponding to those who learn Torah. And the Torah is eternal. And therefore Mashiach ben David, who is eternal, that's what the Rambam says when he says that we don't know what's going to happen. When Mashiach ben David reigns, that's going to be a complete change of, of, of the of the world. This is 101.9 Chai and the program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment with more amazing, amazing stuff. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 
101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Parshas, by Yigash, Tov, Shin, Pei, Beis, first Shabbos after Hanukkah. And the Shabbos, as we're getting ready to go into our December break, some of us have already broken, some maybe will break at the end of next week or the week after, whatever it is, we're all counting the days towards a little bit of a respite from the normal, the normal grind. And, but Shabbos Kodesh is always a respite. Shabbos Kodesh is always a time to sort of turn off the world around us and to step into the world of Ruchni, step into the world of, of Akadish Baruchu and enjoy a day together with a real boss, with a melech, machi, and lochem, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A day of such pleasure, a day of just disconnect from all the rubbish of, of this world. As we always do at this point on the show, to share with you the important times and details you need to know for this Shabbos. So, the earliest time for lighting candles this coming afternoon is at 27 minutes past 5. 5.27 is Plaga Mincha. That's the earliest time you can get it started. You know, get, get your act together. Maybe the kids are home from school already. They can help much more in the kitchen than they ordinarily do. Of course, I mean, that, that goes without saying that the children being home is the greatest part of it is the extra hands you have getting everything done and getting everything ready. So for sure, you can be ready in time to get your candles lit at 527 and actually ease into the beautiful, beautiful warmth and ambiance of an amazing, amazing Shabbos. The latest time for benching licht this Friday night is at 6.35. 6.35 is the latest time for getting your candles up, although many communities accept the standards uh, uh, summer sort of candlelighting time for Johannesburg, which is quarter past six, if your community does that, and uh, and will accept Shabbos, will say Mizmo Shiliyoma Shabbos by that time, then you need to have your candles lit by then. The latest time, of course, is uh, a 6.35, uh, 25 to 7, which means that, that Shkia, is at 6.53, 18 minutes later. That's your really your injury time. Please, please make sure that everything is on the boil. Everything is already by 6.30, 6.35. If you want to daven Mayrev uh, uh, Bismanoi and not have to repeat the Krishma, that's going to cost you until 11 minutes past 7, you're going to have to wait until then to daven, and then you're free, then you can sit down and really, really enjoy a Geshmak Lel Shabbos meal with your family, and just kind of really, really get into the the, the Shabbos. Tomorrow morning is Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Vayigash, and the normal, the normal Haftarah for Pashas Vayigash, and Shabbos proceeds. Normally Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night, at 7.28, 28 minutes past 7, we're getting getting to the really, really long Shabbos afternoon. Some say that's great, some don't like it so much. Each person has his own way of of dealing of dealing with, with it. And of course, just a reminder that in the coming week, we have a very significant event, which is, of course, the fast of the 10th of, of uh, Teves, which will take place Please God on Tuesday, this coming uh, a Tuesday. It's quite, quite a long, uh, quite a long fast because of the fact 
that it is uh, uh, is summer. In fact, the fast starts at uh, about 3.50, 10 to 4. So if you want to get up and have a really early morning snack, almost a midnight snack, uh, that would be the time to do that. And it ends on Tuesday night at 7.13. 7.13 will be the end of that of that fast. So it's quite a uh, quite a long, quite a long 15 an hour and a, and a half hour fast, almost quite a long day. Please, please take it easy if you're fasting, especially if it's warm weather. Don't overexert yourself. Don't push yourself in in uh, in a way that's going to compromise your ability to properly to properly uh, uh, fast. We are dealing with the the davening and the procedures of uh, in shul. On Shabbos, he spoke quite extensively last few weeks about the obligation to learn Torah. So part of the obligation of Torah on Shabbos is, of course, the Kriyasa Torah, the reading of the weekly Parsha on, on Shabbos. This, the, this uh, concept of reading from the Torah, reading the weekly Parsha on Shabbos, is not something newfangled. It goes all the way back. It was actually a decree made by Moshe Rabbeinu himself that the Yidin should read from the Sefer Torah, which is a, a, a proper Sefer Torah written with with ink on on parchment. They should read from that every Shabbos day, and also every Monday. And Thursday, it's Gemara in in uh, in Babakama, because of the tremendous kedusha and an exalted status of of Shabbos. So our, our Chazal instituted that on Shabbos we call up seven people to the Torah. Seven people get aliyot, get the opportunity of making two brachot, one before the reading, one after the reading, every every Shabbat. And that corresponds to the seven days of, of the week, says the Gemara Megillah, and therefore we have seven uh, uh, aliyot. Now, in the time of the of the Gemara, so the custom was in Eretz Yisrael to complete the entire reading of the Torah from Breshit to Vzota Bracha over a period of three years. Imagine how the kids must have loved that. Simchas Torah only once every three years. Some of the adults might have really liked that. I'm not sure how the kids would have, would have handled it. However, in, in Babel, in, in Babylonia, there the minig was to try to complete the reading of the Torah every single year. And, and that really is the current custom, uh, in all the communities of, of the Jewish nation to finish every single year on Simchas Torah, the, the reading of the, of the entirety of, of the, of, of, of the Torah. And this is, uh, referred obviously to the Pashat Shavuah, the weekly Torah reading that we read every single, uh, uh, uh Shabbos. Now, and, and when we, when we say that, we have seven aliyot. So each one of the seven people who gets an aliyah, gets called to make a brach of the Torah, gets to read one portion, or one part of the weekly, of the weekly portion. And, and therefore, uh, encompassing the, the amount that's 
each that all of the seven reads together, that then includes the entire weekly portion. Now, what would happen if for whatever reason, one Shabbat, they didn't get to read the Pasha? There was no Sefer Torah, there was no, whatever it might be. So then the Shabbat afterwards, then they have to read two Pashas in order to make up for the missing Pasha that they didn't say the previous, the previous week. Now, on Shabbat, seven aliyot is the prescribed number of aliyot, but it's a minimum, not a maximum. If, for whatever reason, they want to add and call up more people than, than seven to the Torah, they're, 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 Baruch Hashem, they're simchas in, in, in shul, and there are many family members from different families that need to be, uh, uh given aliyot, or the people with yard sites, or other reasons why they need to be given an aliyah that particular Shabbos, so seven's not gonna be enough. So then, you're allowed to add extra aliyot, provided that each person who gets an aliyah gets at least three psukim read for for uh, uh, for for him. Right? There's some who, who even want to say that today we really should not add on. It should uh, 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 more than seven aliyot, what they call seven up. It should be seven and that's it. Why? Because the more aliyot you have, so obviously each person is making two brachot, one before and one one after. So they say, well, now you're actually causing more brachot to be made than what the Chachamim actually uh, instituted. Because I mean, already what we do now is a vast change from what used to be done. In the past, the time of the Gemara, the person who got the first aliyah would make the one bracha before he started to read, to read. And the seventh person who got the last aliyah, when he finished the pasha, he would make the concluding bracha after his, his, uh, his, and, and all those two, three, four, five, and six wouldn't make a bracha at all. Right? Later on, because Chazal were worried, that maybe someone who would leave in the middle of laning, or someone who entered the shul during the laning, they wouldn't know that they had actually made a bracha at the beginning and at the end. They would think that maybe we don't make brachot on laning at all. So therefore, Chazal changed the rules and made a new decree that every single person should make a bracha before and after his own his own uh, uh, reading. And therefore, since we now have 14 brachas already, they say, if you're going to start adding more, you're adding unnecessary, unnecessary brachot to what is, to what is, uh, to what is, is needed. Okay, we're going to come back with some closing comments in a moment. This is 101.9 Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. And this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 
Just a few more minutes left before we have to run away and get our Shabbos ready. Oh, it's always such a pleasure spending time with you. We're talking about the obligation of Kri Satorah, and we said that there are some opinions, and I think many uh, uh, shul-going members would agree with this, that we should not add more than seven aliyot on a Shabbos morning. We gave one reason. Another reason that's brought is there's a, a very, very important concept in tefillah, which is called tircha ditzibura, not to impose upon the community to stretch out the davening longer than necessary. And to call up 10 or 11 people sometimes can be quite, quite, quite destroying for the whole community when they have to sit and wait and each person gets called up and each person then has to make a homi shabbat. It can become quite a drain on people's nerves and, and patience. And therefore, certainly, in the first instance, one should fix the custom in the shul that we don't add more than seven aliyot. Seven up. But in a situation where there really isn't a choice, in order to, you know, uh, otherwise there's going to be all sorts of fights or you'll end up with relatives of, of Bali Simcha being insulted or something like that. The halach is one is certainly allowed to add maybe an achra and one extra aliyah, right? Um, um, in some communities, uh, they uh, don't want necessarily to... You call up people who are not Shomei Shabbat, and you might add an aliyah for whatever the reason might be. But as far as, far as halacha is concerned, it's even possible to call up a child, someone under bar mitzvah, provided he knows that there is such a concept as making brachot to to Hashem, right? But the condition will be that at least most of the seven aliyot should be people over bar mitzvah. And, and there are certain Sephardic communities where they have such a custom that they allow a minor, so to speak, to be called up for actual aliyot. However, the minute amongst the Ashkenazim and even some of the Sephardic community is not to call up any child under Bar Mitzvah to get his, his, uh, his, his aliyah. Um, and, uh, in fact, some, there is a minute brought in the name of the Arizal that specifically for the Shavi'i, for the seventh Aliyah, they call up a, a child, but not for the other, for the other, uh, uh, Aliyot. Uh, and, and the Taimanim have such a custom to call up a, 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 uh, a, a child for, for, for Shishi. But, uh, amongst Ashkenazim, we only call uh, 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 adults, some communities, what they do is they uh, actually, the person who gets the Aliyah for Shvi, they don't mention his name, they just say Yamot Shvi'i, the seventh person should should just come up without without mentioning his his name. Next, next time we'll talk please God about the Haftorah and, and the end of the, of the lane, but the clock says that it's time for us to go away and get ready for Shabbos, so I'm just going to thank each and every one of you for your attendance, for your attentiveness, for, for listening, for choosing to make Chai FM and this show 
your preferred listening listening uh, uh, agenda and just wish each and every one of you a beautiful, warm, inspiring, scintillating and beautiful family. Good Shabbos. Thank you so, so much.